the 3D Dynasty Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com, batch Edge, to get started today. And we're going to recap a little bit of last week's show. Where's my guy, the FF Bourbon Dude? We had a, a fun show last week. We had two fun shows last week, checking out the AFC North, AFC East. Today we're going to cover the NFC North. And just a reminder, always housekeeping, if you like this show, you can always support us for free by really all you have to do is just hit the subscriber button. And so thanks, Jakey, for the soundbite, likes, reviews, all that stuff. And of course, just send your your comments and questions. We love to talk fantasy football. You can join our Discord channel. But uh, let's recap the show. Brad, let's talk about... What made you react like this? Now, now <laughs> oh man! When I said that, um, uh, you definitely reacted strongly. So, what did what did you think I said about T Higgins? It sounded like you said to me that T. Higgins was not a top-flight wide receiver. That's how I took it. It shocked me to hear it. That's obviously why you saw my reaction, but I'm curious if that's what you actually said. And uh, so what I said was last year, he did not feel like a number one receiver. So last year, where he had four wide receiver one finishes, a bunch of wide receiver two finishes and multiple wide receiver three finishes. So that's what I said. Um, He is my wide receiver 10 in dynasty. I think he's a great receiver. He's a borderline wide receiver 12 this year, but he finished wide receiver 17 last year. So he was not a top 12 wide receiver, Um, but the reaction's good. It's on TikTok. It's on YouTube. Make sure you guys check that out. And, uh, we're always having fun on here, and one of the things you'll see is that Brad and I do not always agree on stuff, and that's fine. That's part of fantasy football. You can disagree without trying to kill each other like people do on Twitter. Uh, it kind of shows you guys are adults, um, and so we try to do that here on the show. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Chicago – Nathan, what's up, man? Uh, we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears. We're going to recap the Chicago Bears draft. We're going to recap their offseason. And we're going to talk about their dynasty outlook. But, of course, we're going to use Mike Clay's projections to talk about this year. Because, of course, in dynasty, it's all about the future. But you still have to play dynasty this year. And so to recap what the Bears were able to do this offseason, it starts out with the monster trade. They acquired pick nine, DJ Moore, and multiple picks after trading back from one, thanks to Lovey Smith, who has a statue statue being framed up in his honor. So you got the big trade for, you know, for all those picks and DJ Moore. In the draft, they picked up Darnell Wright, offensive tackle in the first round. Garvin Dexter, a defensive lineman in the second round. Tyreek Stevenson, a corner in the second round. Zach Steven, or Zach Pickens. An edge in third round. Rashawn Johnson, fourth round running back. Tyler Scott, receiver, fourth round. Noah Sewell, linebacker, fifth round. That is Panay Sewell's brother, also in the NFC North. Terrell Smith, corner. Travis Bell, uh, and then Kendall Williamson. And then to talk about their free agency, we talked about getting DJ Moore in the trade. They also got Andrew Billings. He's a defensive lineman, run stuffer, Dylan Cole linebacker, Nate Davis guard, Tremaine Edmonds linebacker, TJ Edwards linebacker, Deonta Foreman running back, 
We got Rasheen uh, Green, Edge, Travis Homer, running back. You have Robert Tunyon, tight end, P.J. Walker, quarterback, Demarcus Walker, Edge, and Ryan Anderson, a punter. PFF gave him an A- minus for the offseason and a B-plus for the draft. Brad, as far as their offseason, what do you think about it? Eh, I, it was eh. I, I mean, obviously, for the offensive side of the ball, I like a couple of the additions in DJ Moore and Roshan Johnson. I think they were looking for a replacement for David Montgomery. I do think, obviously, Khalil Herbert's the guy there, but I think seeing them add to that running back room is going to be helpful for them as a football team. Maybe not so helpful for us as fantasy folks who like to see that bell cow back because now you got three guys that you're just not sure what that workload looks like. But I do like, like I said, the addition of DJ Moore really helping Justin Fields in the future, saying, hey, we're going to bring in some more weapons for you, somebody outside of just Darnell Mooney and a newly midseason acquired guy in Chase Claypool. It's going to be nice to see you hope to see Justin Fields kind of take a little bit of a step in the progression for the passing game, which is really the only aspect of the game that we're really missing right now because you saw him rush for over a thousand yards. So now do we think that or do we hope that with the weapons that they brought in that he can now be that, you know, an elite passer as well. So let's look what Mike Clay has him. He is in as the QB six and says 312 points. How does he get there? It's 3,192 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and six rushing touchdowns with 912 yards on the ground. They haven't played 15 games, so almost a full season. That's a lot of points. And and QB6, that's good. That's really good. And so a lot of people are saying that this is going to be his Jalen Hurts kind of a year. Uh, what are your thoughts here about him as QB6? I mean, the this just, again, we've talked about it before. It shows how rushing is just a cheat code for the quarterback position. You see him go for 900-plus yards and six touchdowns on barely over 3,000 yards passing and just barely breaking 20 passing touchdowns. That's that's a lot of beneficial points coming from the rushing side that he brings. And it's just, you know, whether you think it's fair or not, it is what it is. So, yeah, I think that is well within the realm of possibility that you're looking at a guy that's top 10 strictly because of his rushing upside. I do think the one caveat and scoring is always relevant when you go from one uh, one fantasy league to another league in leagues that severely penalize you for fumbles. I'm in a league that is minus four points per fumble and minus an additional two if you lose it. So you could be down six points for any lost fumble he had 17 fumbles. Not all of those were lost, but count it, 17 fumbles throughout the season. And if the scoring in your league is really detrimental for that, <laughs> it's going to knock him down those rankings just a little bit. So be very careful with that. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. And uh, one thing I also understand is edge boost. This episode is supported by Edge Boost, and we talked about it earlier. Make sure you guys are checking it out. Edge Boost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Edge currently is offering 2500 in betting advances, which can be ex- extremely valuable, valuable tool. Imagine you had an increased bankroll or you're trying to play the NFL futures. And you don't want to tie up money until January. You get down on your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll. Down, double down on your favorite bets now and create an awesome middle or even edge. Even hedge, edge boost isn't some sleazy loan shark as they charge ze- as they they charge zero interest. They do you know if any other way to access money to take place on your favorite bets and without any interest? No, edge boost can also be a part of, re- of responsible gambling as you can set up daily, weekly, and monthly limits across all your betting accounts all in one place. Support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com batches edge to sign up. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com batches edge. You must be 21 or older to use problem gambling. Please call 1-800-GAMBLER. So as far as the, the running backs, I was having a conversation with Andrew today and he said, you know, why, why don't you have uh, Rashawn Johnson a little higher? And I was like, 
I'm pretty high on Rashawn Johnson, but I'm not high enough, I guess. And so, um, Brad, I know Khalil Herbert has a place in your heart. And so what do you feel like when you see this? Mike Clay is saying Khalil Herbert is going to be the lead dog in this backfield, but he does say it's going to be a mess. Yeah, I think this is spot on. It's just going to be a mess. There's, Do you really want to play any of these guys? No, I don't think so, because there isn't one that you know is going to be the guy in any given week. I do think Khalil Herbert is likely to lead them in carries, um, even though he's really the cheapest of the three, if you really want to think about it from a monetary perspective. Uh, They paid Deonta Foreman to come in. Khalil Herbert's still on his rookie contract. Roshan Johnson's on a rookie contract. So, uh, you know, is there a world where Deonta Foreman could lead him? Yeah, but I I just don't see that. I think they like what they have in Khalil Herbert. They were comfortable with allowing David Montgomery to walk. Uh, I just don't have them very far apart. I've got Khalil Herbert at RB32 right now. Uh, I've got Deonta Foreman at 41 right now. Uh, And Roshan Johnson down at 52 right now. So, I I mean, those things, it just, again, goes to say, even those of us who see, hey, yeah, we think we like Khalil Herbert a little bit more. I haven't been a huge fan of him, but the the writing is there, I think, for him to lead. It's just there's not a whole lot of separation, whether you look at these projections here, whether you look at people's rankings, or even if you look at some of the OTA reports where they talk about, hey, all these guys look good. Well, this is not this is not helpful for us right now in fantasy. So yeah, we'll know more as the season comes along. So if you have drafts later on, like monitor this situation. And this could be a big win. If you get Rashawn Johnson in the middle of your second round, it ends up being the starter, it's it's huge. And so it is worth the risk where he's going. If you're having to pay up at the end of the first round, and that's that's a little too rich for me. And Khalil Herbert, I mean, if you ha- if someone has Khalil Herbert, they most likely traded for him last season, hoping that he would be the starter this year. And let's be honest, we aren't fully confident who's going to be the starter this year, or at least they're going to be, you know, anyone's going to be worth, you know, worth it for fantasy football. And there's nothing saying they don't replace them next year. Rashawn Johnson, he's got, he got fourth round draft capital, pretty good. Deonta Foreman's a free agent next year. Khalil Herbert's a free agent in 2025. He's also, uh, you know, he's on, he's a seventh round pick. Uh, if, if not undrafted free agent, uh, he's a free agent down 25. So um, you just, there's no certainty here. And Justin Fields is going to take a lot of that from them. Um, what I can say is in your best ball leagues or in your redraft leagues, if you get the cheapest guy, that might be the best bet. And so Rashawn Johnson is going to be the cheapest, most likely, and just get him. And so if, you know, one of these guys goes down, everyone else gets a bump. And he might be one of those guys that ends up getting, you know, a pretty substantial bump. And then Justin Fields, um, you know, especially if your scoring is, you know, four point touchdowns, that rushing is a huge, huge boost. And you're going to want to use that. And so let's go into the receivers. And they've really revamped this receiving room. Uh, Last year, they didn't really do anything to it. They got Velas Jones in the draft, got booed for their moves. And then. They added Chase Claypool later on. I thought that was a probably a bad move, but that's what they got. They just I didn't didn't don't like dislike Claypool. I just didn't like what they paid for him. They paid pick thirty two, which I know the time they didn't know, but you knew it was going to be a pretty early second, and it was just an overpay. But Claypool, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Economia St. Brown, Velas Jones, Tyler Scott. This is a much better set of weapons for Justin Fields this year. And he did show some progress last year. I know most of it was on the ground, but you did see some progress with him and you saw some progress on the offensive line and talking about the offensive line. I love the moves they made on the offensive line, being able to get Darnell Wright, one of the best pass blockers in, in the draft going and making some moves on the defense on, on the defensive line the team is focused on building in the trenches, but really did a nice job of adding some pieces to support Justin Fields, not only with weapons, but also the offensive line and the running game. So DJ Moore's projections, 58 rushing yards, 64 receptions, 926 yards, 
and seven touchdowns. Seven touchdowns would be huge. DJ Moore, he's typically been four touchdowns every year, uh, but he breaks it here, but he doesn't get the yardage or the receptions. 64 out of 112 targets. That's not saying a lot of good things about Justin Fields and his and his uh, accuracy. And DJ Moore's typically had much higher than a 50% catch rate. But 22 as far as his rank and PPR, that seems a little low for me. Uh, Chase Claypool, 53. Equinemius St. Brown is 132. And Donald Mooney, 63. So really the only, only guy you're interested in is DJ Moore. And when it comes down to it, the other guys, it's really going to be hard to play them on a weekly basis. This is a team that is a very low pass volume team. And as far as, you know, Justin Fields, we still haven't seen it. And if we're going to see him produce through the air, it's going to be hard for him to support more than one, you know, one receiver than he's doing currently. And so I I would say DJ Moore is someone I'm interested in, but really at the price point, it's hard if you're going to get, you know, wide receiver 22. Um, Because he is still going for a pretty substantial price. Look at the running backs. Herbert, Rashawn Johnson, they're both going for a similar rate, whether it's a you know late first, early second in your super flex leagues, late first in your one quarterback leagues. It's still a little high. Like I feel like some of these guys are are really harder to acquire because of their price. And so um, yeah, like Nathan, there there's it's gonna be hard to get all these running backs. You know, someone's going to miss out and uh, we'll see injuries happen and things like that. But if they're all healthy all year, it's going to be a mess. So, Brad, thoughts on the on the well, let's let's real quick. Let's check in with the sponsors and then we'll get back to the wide receivers. All right. So we've talked about bets in here, but guess what? I started my best ball drafts and I only do them with underdog fantasy. And guess what? We're brought to you by our friends at Underdog. So Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Plus, they have plenty of ways to win with NBA, NHL, and MLB player prop parlays as well. So all you got to do, head over to underdogfantasy.com and use our promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. And let's talk about Cole Komet. So Cole Komet, tight end 13. They have him getting 54 receptions, 578 yards, and four touchdowns. Not really a great end of the year line. And, you know, really, we don't care about the end of the year line. We want to know what's he going to do on a week-to-week basis. And if you chop those numbers up and divide them by 17, not great, Bob. Uh, so, I mean, Cole Komet, he's been someone that, you know, people have been excited for last year, kind of like, he's going to be the second guy in town. So like, kind of like what everyone's doing with Che Conquil right now, he's the second guy. So he's going to be really good. Um, we assume that he's going to be really good. Um, but it's also a really bad offense and Cole Komet is going to be third, maybe fourth, maybe fifth on the the totem pole here as far as you know passing and there's not a lot of food on the table with only 274 completions so what are your thoughts on Cole Komet is he someone that you're interested in trying to acquire right now I I am because I think the price is pretty cheap he's coming off the board right now as tight end 13 in dynasty ADP but this is a guy that led his team in targets last year. Now, I understand that was a team without DJ Moore, but I do think it shows the trust level that the organization has in him, the trust level that maybe Justin Fields has with him. Now, do I think he's going to be the number one target getter in Chicago? No, that is that is the crown for DJ Moore. But I do think it's plausible that this guy is number two in targets in the team Nobody's going to convince me that EQ or Valus Jones or Tyler Scott or Chase Claypool are going to beat him out in targets. There's a chance Darnell Mooney does, but I think there's just as likely of a chance for Cole Komet to be the second in targets. And in a, in a, on a team that has the passing volume that they have, the small amount, we're looking at 439 attempts. That is not a lot 
So you need this tight end to be in the top two target getters to really even be a plausible guy from a week to week basis. And I think we saw some weeks from Cole Komet last year that we were okay with. So I do think for the right price right now, Cole Komet is a guy that I'd be okay with on my dynasty squad. Yeah. And those numbers that we said were a little low PJ Walker is also playing two games. So we'll just say 500 attempts and, and 310 um, completions for, you know, for fields if he plays all 17. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next team. Uh, let us know what you think about the, the Chicago bears and who's going to be their running back one, the Detroit lions. So they had a very interesting off season. This team was really becoming one of the, the fun teams last year. They narrowly missed the playoffs, but they finished on a high note. They made sure the Packers did not get in, even though they had nothing to play for. They still made sure the Packers didn't get in the playoffs and their, their draft got a B plus mixed reviews on their draft. They traded back from the sixth spot to the 12 spot and took Jameer Gibbs shocked everybody. This is probably the biggest shock of the draft. And then maybe the second or third biggest shock of the draft was Jack Campbell going at the 18th spot. So they got a really big athletic linebacker. You think like Tremaine Edmonds, kind of a guy that's this guy. Um, he's huge. And then you get Jameer Gibbs. Super on athletic also. Yeah. And you, the Jameer Gibbs is the, uh, you know, the weapon on offense. They talked a lot about how they're going to use him as a weapon, not just running back. And they got Sam Laporte at tight end, Brian Branch at safety. A lot of people had him in the first round. And so you talk about all the value they might've lost in the first round. They gained it when they got Brian Branch in the middle of round two. Then Hendon Hooker round three, another guy that potentially could have been a first-round play. They get Hendon Hooker round three. Then they get Broderick Martin, defensive lineman. Then they get Colby, uh, all a tackle. And they got Antoine Green from Michigan State, wide receiver in the seventh round. B-plus on the draft. And then they're, they're offseason. They got uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from the Eagles. He's uh, you know kind of a – Star kind of a player. He plays in the nickel, plays in the you know, plays in the slot, plays safety, plays in the box, plays really, really kind of a chess piece. Graham Glasgow is a guard. Marvin Jones Jr. receiver. They got Jake McQuaid, long snapper. David Montgomery, uh, running back. Emmanuel Mosley, corner. They got Reeves Maven, linebacker, and Cameron Sutton, corner. They had the worst secondary in football last year by a lot. They were thirty second in um, passing yards allowed. 32nd in passing touchdowns. They were 32nd on third down conversions. They just, everything, as far as the passing game, they needed to fix it. And what did they do? They attacked it in free agency. And that really, you know, really should help the offense keep them on the field more. So Jared Goff, last year, played one of his best, best years since, you know, best years, period but it was definitely the best that we've seen him since he's left the Rams and really revitalized his career. So this year they have him projected for 3,925 yards in 16 games, 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, just a little bit on the ground, 82, 82 yards, two touchdowns for QB 17. QB 17 seems a little light for me, Brad, and maybe I'm just maybe recency bias. I'm getting excited about Jared Goff from last year, but I'm looking at, at these weapons and I I think Jared Goff's going to be higher than QB17. I mean, I don't know that his situation's really changed all that much, right? He swapped DeAndre Swift, an excellent pass-catching running back, with Jameer Gibbs, an excellent pass-catching running back. Um, Amon Ra is still there. They had Josh Reynolds and DJ Shark. They've got Jamison Williams and Marvin Jones. They had TJ Hawkinson for about half the season, and now they've got Sam Laporta. So I don't know that the situation has really changed for Jared Goff, but you look at these projections, and Mike Clay is saying, hey, I think he's going to be a worse passer from a yards per attempt perspective. He's going to be have a lower touchdown efficiency, and he's going to throw more interceptions. I just – I just don't know, right? Jared Goff made a lot with a pretty bad offense from a just names perspective, right? If you look at who, do you know who their second targeted receiver was last year? Last year it was, was yeah. 
Is either Khalif Raymond or Josh Reynolds. It was Khalif Raymond. These guys that are number five on the list now, right? So they're not no names. They're guys that you could definitely have. You know, I remember writing my waiver wire article early on in the season saying, hey, go get Khalif Raymond before those targets start to dry up, right? And Jamison Williams comes back. That didn't necessarily come to, to full fruition, but now they bring in a, a Detroit favorite, I would really say, in Marvin Jones, a guy that can play outside. Jamison Williams is going to be back after his suspension. So I, I think the numbers are going to be very close to the same if Jared Goff can maintain the, the really the poise that he was able to. He's still behind a really good offensive line. He's got David Montgomery that can carry the rock, much like a Jamal Williams was able to last year. So I like where Jared Goff is. And I'm telling if I can get him at QB 17 price right now, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna snatch that up every time. Yeah, no, I'm a fan. Um, and, and I do think he's, you know, he's a good QB too. He doesn't have the rushing upside, so he doesn't have those boom weeks, but he does, you know, he does feel like a safe play. And that Jameson Williams suspension definitely does hurt. But I think once Jameson Williams gets in there, it'd be a big boost for this team. And so let's go to the running backs. Jameer Gibbs. They well, have well, him before, down. before I, I, you know, we can't, we can't just breeze by your guy, right? So from a, a dy- we are a dynasty pod. Where are we at with Hennon Hooker? I know you're really high on him. I was high on him. If Jared Goff has another season like he had last year, 4,400 yards, 29 or 30 touchdowns, single-digit interceptions, do you think there's a pathway for Hennon Hooker, or do they just stick it out with Jared Goff? Jared Goff's going to have to play bad for them to to move on from him. Um, They have incentive to do so. Because of the money. If you look at his contract and the dead cap, they could move on from Jared Goff. But they they seem to like Jared Goff, that he's got the locker room, he's got the coaching staff. The wheels would really have to fall off. If, if Jared Goff plays bad, yeah, Hennon Hooker has an opportunity to take over this team as soon as next year. But they're looking at it a redshirt year for Hooker, and it might be a year or two, um, and maybe Hooker doesn't see the field. But Goff's going to have to... I wouldn't say he's going to have to, he's having breathing down his neck or anything, but it is a situation where if golf doesn't play worthy of a, you know, $40 million contract, then he could be moved on from easily. And Hennon hookers, he's on a cheap deal. Third round pick. If you were to play, you'd have a lot of money to spend on other players. If golf is not playing at a level that is, you know, that is going to help them win some playoff games. Yeah, where I'm at, this whole roster is young. When you look at Jamison Williams, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, they have a young core. They can afford Jared Goff. Now, do I think they're going to re-sign him to a big deal? No. But there's, in my eyes, if he comes out and is even three quarters of the quarterback that he was able to be last season, I think they look to try to figure out how to restructure his contract because they're not, I, I just don't see them paying him $31 million next year when they can save 25 or 26 by moving on. So I do think it is a very restructurable thing, or maybe they re-sign him to a three-year deal and, and bump that number down back a little bit or whatever the case is. Um, I think Jared Goff has been humbled enough to where he's he might take a deal like that. You know, we saw Tom Brady do it a ton. I'm not comparing skill sets, but we saw Tom Brady take pay cuts constantly, oh, year in and year out, to allow the team to bring more talent in. And I think Jared Goff, in his situation coming from LA over to Detroit and all the all the background noise and the rough first season he had, and then came out this this past season and played really well. I think there's a world where he ends up just being the long-term answer for them with the longer deal that is just a little bit more team-friendly and Hinton Hooker is gone. So for me, I'm buying Jared Goff and I'm, I'm using the narrative of they drafted Hinton Hooker and I loved Hinton Hooker. This guy had 80 to 7 intercept touchdown interception, blah, 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 and using that as a narrative to be able to get a little bit of a discount on Jared Goff. We'll see. The, the- the $30 million is pretty team friendly these days. And so you look at what Daniel the, Jones, the, I believe that's the fifth highest paid quarterback salary. Well, and once Burrow, I'm sorry, gets, number three, once Burrow gets, once Burrow gets paid and these other guys get paid, they're coming. But I mean, you, 
Number three, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's definitely people making more money. It, his cap hit for okay. this year is number three among the quarterback positions. Gotcha. According to Sport Track. Okay. We're talking about next year's cap hit. And yeah. I don't know what that is. But I mean, the team, the, as far as the team friendly deal, I mean, Goff definitely doesn't seem like he's going to stick him for money, but uh, we'll see. Um, running backs, Jameer Gibbs, 741 yards rushing. 167 attempts, 190 for 77, 77 for David Montgomery. All of them, seven touchdowns. Uh, and then you got the the receiving. So this was 47, 378, and two, which seems a little low. Bijan Robinson had actually more receiving work when we looked at, you know, we looked at what the Falcons are going to have. And then David Montgomery, 36 receptions, 276 and one. And so Montgomery, looking at the stats, I was looking through some, you know, advanced, uh, Advanced stats today on PFF and Montgomery was much better than people give him credit for last year. As far as an explosive run rate, as far as elusive rating, as far as force missed tackles, he was one of the top 10 running backs in almost every major category. And he still had to go somewhere else to find a job and didn't really get a lot of money. Um, but Montgomery kind of gets that role that Jamal Williams was in last year. And Jamal Williams was an absolute league winner. And David Montgomery right now, I think he could be a league winner and not that he's going to be a top 10 running back, but I think he can be a top 25 running back. I think he can score enough points, get enough of the rushing, get a, a little bit of the receiving and you're literally paying nothing. Like you could get David Montgomery for a late second, early third in your, you know, in your one, anyway, super flex drafts, maybe even cheaper. Um, I have him in a couple leagues and I'm just going to hold on to him because no one's going to give you enough. And I think he's going to be more valuable on my roster. And he's still not like, he's not old running back. He's 26 years old. Um, I I'm fine with Montgomery. And uh, what, what are your thoughts here? Gibbs and Montgomery. I think Montgomery is, I, I, you may have said this, or maybe I heard it in my mind because I was saying it over and over. This is one of those late round running backs. That is a league winner for you. I, th I think that the top 25 is, to me, the basement for David Montgomery. I think this dude is putting up top 12 numbers. I think he's a better runner than Jamal Williams. Now, I don't know that he's going to get to that 17 touchdown mark. That is unsustainable for any running back. Uh, but I think he is going to powerhouse through the carries. He's going to lead this team in rushing attempts. I think Jameer Gibbs is really going to fall into that DeAndre Swift role. I do think he's going to be have more rushing attempts than what DeAndre Swift did last year. But I think the first go-to guy on first and second down is going to be David Montgomery. I think the red zone guy is going to be David Montgomery. He's a tackle breaker. He can run between uh, the 20s. He can do everything for you, and it really gives you a weapon uh, that teams just don't, don't you know, maybe plan for necessarily. So I think this guy is, is definitely somebody I am targeting because he's got, like you said, he's got a pretty decent deal, three-year deal to be here and be the running back uh, to, to split carries with Jameer Gibbs. And that at the price that you're getting right now, I think it's an absolute buy. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely looking to acquire Montgomery while everyone's going after Gibbs. And I like Gibbs. He's just, you're paying up for him. You're not paying up for Montgomery. And, this is a team that brought back, you know, Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator, and he does like to run the ball. They had one of the highest rush attempts, you know, in the red zone than anybody, and they converted a lot. This is the best offensive line that Dave Montgomery has ever played behind. By and, a long shot. And this is a good offense, so I think he's going to be a, a good performer. I know the PPR upside isn't necessarily always there with him, but he's a good running back. Let's go I mean, on he averaged about the same yards per carry as Jamal Williams did behind an offensive line that could just absolutely demolish Chicago's offensive line. Yeah, and, and Jamal Williams got a lot of his points because he had 17 touchdowns last year. Yeah. It wasn't that he was running for 100 yards a game. He just yeah, was – No, but he was still a 1,000-yard rusher. Yeah, he was a 1,000-yard rusher, and he scored in every yeah. single week. Yeah. Um, and I picked him up off the waiver wires after week one. Um. <laughs> So uh, running receivers, we kind of brushed on a little bit. Amon Ross St. Brown is still the guy. 95 for one, 1,038 and six touchdowns. P. 
PPR wide receiver eight. That's pretty good. Then you have uh, Marvin Jones, Jameson Williams, not much production. Jameson Williams will be someone that somebody, people will be talking a lot about. Jameson Williams is going to be a steal in your drafts because he's not playing until week seven. And his ADP is going to show that. But Brad, this happens every year, whether it's a suspension or an injury. And there's a guy that doesn't play until week seven or eight. And everybody's got him on their sleeper list. And I just can't remember a time it ever worked out. These guys come in, they get hurt. They, you know, they just, it takes a while for them to get going. I just, it never seems to work out. I mean, Hopkins, I guess Hopkins did was pretty good last year when he came back from injury. Yeah. Well, I think the difference is the age, right? So Jameson Williams is crazy young. If you're drafting him in dynasty, it's for the longevity. It's not for this year. Um, now, where that comes to play is wide receiver 36 right now, according to DLF ADP for Dynasty, is a little rich for me right now. He's going above guys like Rashad Bateman, above guys like, okay, maybe it's not. Maybe that's about right. Maybe that's maybe 36, because I was going to say there's guys uh, below him, but I was looking at it reverse. The guys below him, Christian Kirk, Mike Evans, Rashad Bateman, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, like, okay, if I'm trying to build a squad that I'm trying to win now, I can understand those guys being ahead of him. But if you're trying to have a healthy mix of of youth and experience, I think 36 is pretty close for Jameson Williams. Uh, And I'd be okay. You just have to understand this year is not the year that he's going to burst onto the scene. The other thing to keep in mind is maybe you let somebody else take him and then you go and revisit in week four and say, hey, man, you know what? My team's not all that great. You're looking pretty good. Let me get Jamison Williams and give you a piece. Let me let me let me send DeAndre Hopkins over for Jamison Williams. Right. Or and a pick. And you try to you try to play that in season hype of how well an older player is playing versus the forgotten man of Jamison Williams who hasn't taken a snap yet. You might be able to get him at a little bit more of a discount in season than you would at draft day. Last thing on the receivers, any anyone you're interested in other than Amonra St. Brown? Not even close. All right, let's go to the tight ends. Sam Laporta, this guy really was a riser. I mean, he was on a lot of people's top five, top six boards, but the combine, the senior bowl, I mean, he just did everything right this offseason. And he ends up a pretty high draft capital um, in the second round here. And you got 38 receptions, 424 yards, three touchdowns, tight end 28. Anyone, there's no rookie tight end that you should really be counting on year one, period. Period. Kyle Pitts was the best tight end we've seen in a very long time. He got 1,000 yards. That didn't happen, that didn't happen in, in, since Mike Dicka. I mean... This is, this is a long time since you've seen, seen that kind of production. Um, you've seen some top 12 running the tight ends, but you've only seen four in the last 20 years. And so it's really hard, unless you're playing a two tight end league, to start any of these guys. And two tight end league, that just sounds like a, a fancy football punishment. Um, Sam Laporta is one of my favorite guys to get in the second round. You can get him in the mid-second, late-second, and especially in your tight end premium leagues. He's a great guy to stash behind your Darren Wallers and your Zach Ertz and some of your older tight ends and, and should be a good tight end moving forward. Any thoughts on, on Laporta this year as well as Dynasty? There's a whole lot of vacated targets, man. I mean, a whole lot. 227 according for four to four for four uh, for the Detroit Lions. I think there's a world where Sam Laporta is the second option for the first six weeks of the season, to be honest, because Jamison Williams suspension, you know, is Marvin or Marvin Jones and Josh Reynolds good enough to keep Sam Laporta from being able to get some of those those catches and those targets and opportunities? I, I don't know. Now, I'm not trying to say Sam Laporta is a top 10 tight end this season or anything like that, but tight end 28 to me is just way off the mark, way off the mark there. Th- these other three guys are not keeping Sam Laporta 
off the field right now. I think he is their every down passing tight end, uh, pass catching tight end. And because of the amount of targets that are available, I think he's quite possibly probably the second, probably the third, if you really think about Jameer Gibbs, uh, the third option on the team. And that can produce you some pretty solid weeks. So I think he's closer to that 15 to tight end 15 to 20. And we've talked about it before. That's really only like a point difference. So it's not like, tight end 20 to 28 is much different, but I do think he's going to be a little bit higher than that. Actually quite a bit higher than that by the end of the season. Yeah. We just had Cole Komet up and they were very similar numbers. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it, 20, 28 is it's more the numbers like four and 24 yards and three touchdowns. I think Cole Komet had four touchdowns and the same yards, same receptions and he's tight yeah. end 13. So let's yeah. move on to the next team. All right. We got the Green Bay Packers, and they got a B-plus from PFF for their draft. Lucas Van Ness, uh, look up his YouTube, um, his draft moment. Some drunk dude at, at the party, I still don't know what the relation was, just dive bombs on him when he's getting the call from the Packers. Um, Luke Musgrave, uh, tight end in the second round. Jaden Reed, receiver. Tucker Craft, tight end. Colby Wooden, edge. Then they have a Sean Clifford quarterback, Dontavious Wicks receiver, Carl Brooks, D lineman. They have Anders Carlson at kicker. Then they have Carrington Valentine corner, Lou Nichols running back, Anthony Johnson, the safety. And then they have Grant DeBose, another receiver out of Charlotte. Got a B plus again. And then for their offseason, the biggest news, Aaron Rodgers is out of, out of town, traded him for a conditional first round pick next year as well as pick, uh, I think it was pick 52 or pick 42 that the Jets received in the Elijah Moore trade from the Browns. And they added Traverius Moore and then Matt Orzik. So you had a safety and a long snapper. Um, so very boring free agency for the Packers, unless they go and make a splash and get DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but Jordan Love season, it is Jordan Love and they, they actually re-signed Jordan Love to a one-year extension. So he's going to be the quarterback for at least one more year. Probably it looks like two based on the contract. What are your thoughts here? They got him at QB 24. I, I can't. I can't get on board, man. I just can't. And I know like you look at everything and it looks good. And the 85% adjusted completion percentage, 9.3 yards per attempt, He's not throwing, you know, uh, you know, turnover-worthy plays. If you look at some of these PFF metrics, I just, it's you're missing that wow factor for me. And you know, to me, that means you're going to have a eh, and eh gets replaced. Uh, so I, I can't get on board with the Jordan Love hype. I, I'm not going to pay for him um, if he gets thrown into a dynasty trade and a super flex league. I will, I will, you know, take some interest in it. But I just, he's not a guy I'm looking at. And quite frankly, the Green Bay Packers in their entirety is not something I'm looking at because I don't know what's happening. Like, well, we, and, and we'll just, these, you know, you just don't know. Well, yeah. And, and so um, I'm a little bit more optimistic on the Packers than, than Brad is. And um, we've talked about this. We definitely won't need to spend 15 minutes on Musgrave and Kraft this yeah. time. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the Packers are going to look different for sure. Uh, and we'll see. They, they're expected to be pretty heavy on the rushing game, which leads us to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon getting, well over 300 touches between the two of them. Um, and Aaron Jones heavily involved in the receiving game. A.J. Dillon also heavily involved in the receiving game with a running back one and a running back three finish with those two running backs. Um, Jordan Love looks like they have him as kind of a game manager in this scenario. And he's got a pretty young crew. I mean, this is a young team minus Aaron Jones. Jordan Love, young. He's only had one or two career starts. Then you have Aaron Jones, who's on the last year of his contract with the Packers. A.J. Dillon also in the last year, last contract. And then they have Christian Watson, first round pick from last year, or high second round pick, sorry, high second round pick. Jaden Reed, second round pick this year. Um, Romeo Dobbs, I think, was a fifth. Then you have Dontavious Wicks. We just said that he was a fifth round pick. 
Samari Torrey, and then you have Grant DeBose. Um, so with the running backs, are you interested in trading for any of these guys, Aaron, Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon? Yeah, if I'm trying to win now, Aaron Jones is the guy, right? I think you can get him fairly cheap because of the fact that he's older and he's in the last year of his deal. So he's going to be virtually free next season. Um, you know, think about Ezekiel Elliott and some of these, you know, Kareem Hunt, some of these other guys that, uh, you know, are still not even on a team yet. I think that could be a situation you see Aaron Jones in just because of the way the running back market is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying he shouldn't be on one, but it would not shock me if he goes unsigned through camp next year. Um, if, if Green Bay doesn't figure out a way to kind of keep him. So right now I'm using that. I'm trying to buy him because he's the only piece of the entire Green Bay offense that I'm interested in. I don't want any wide receivers, any tight ends, but Aaron Jones at the running back room, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. And Christian Watson, uh, I like Christian Watson, but I do, I do know the prices, the price is a little, little higher for him. Um, but Christian Watson is an explosive player. Um, he was hyper efficient last year. Uh, but he also was an explosive player. And so we talk about, you know, what kind of, you know, what are the weapons on this, this offense? He is, he is probably the biggest weapon on this team other than Aaron Jones. And Christian Watson is going to be their leader in targets. According to Mike Clay, 109 targets, 69 receptions, just under a thousand yards, and then six touchdowns. And, um, you know, I can see that. And so that's, that's a top 20 finish. And, I can see this happening here. He's gonna be he's gonna be a target hog in this roster, and he's got the big playability. Jaden Reed, they have him as the number two. And so when we looked at some of the other rookies, this is pretty high production here. Um, you have seventy six targets going to Jaden Reed, seventy six to Romeo Dobbs. So they're really kind of hedging their bets on who's going to be the number two. Forty seven receptions, five hundred eighty six yards, and three touchdowns for Jaden Reed. And then you have Romeo Dobbs, 46 receptions, 572, and two. Talk about a team with a lot of vacated targets. You got Randall Cobb's out of town, Alan Lazard's out of town, Robert Tunyon's out of town. This, this team also has a lot of vacated targets, and these, these are the guys that are going to get them. And Dontavian Wicks is another guy that you can see is pretty high on the board. Any, any thoughts here on the, the wide receivers? 258 targets to be exact are, are open for grabs. Um, I'm going to take the cheapest option in drafts. I'm hoping that turns out to be Jaden Reed because I do think eventually he's going to end up being the number two option behind Christian Watson. Uh, I, I can't pay for Christian Watson, right? That you, you talked about that a little bit earlier. I, he's going to be one of those guys that I'm just, I'm likely going to miss on, uh, because he's going to hit or he won't hit or, or whatever. If he does, if I want him, I'm going to pay that up price, but I, I don't want to get caught with my pants down, uh, around Christian Watson and the, the whole entire team around him changing. So. Yeah, and, and for me, Jaden Reed has become become one of my, my favorite uh, round two picks. And I do think you can get some early production out of him. This guy has an early breakout age. He was a very productive player um, at, you know, not only at Michigan State, but at Central Michigan. Um, and the, his year last year wasn't as good. Michigan State really was a mess. And Jaden Reed suffered because of it. Uh, but this guy still had very high draft capital which shows me that NFL teams really believed in him. Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah were very excited about Jaden Reed. And he was just one of those guys that really can create a lot after the catch and do a lot of the underneath stuff while Christian Watson's more of your deep play guy. So, so I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you to the test. Jaden Reed or Marvin Mims. Yeah. I knew you're going to go there. And so I'll take, I'll take Jaden Reed uh, okay. over Marvin Mims. But if All you right. look at my uh, dynasty planet, four and four, I am splitting, hedging the bet. I got half, half Marvin, <laughs> half Jaden Reed. I may oh, have yeah. five of one of them because I had so many, like so many late seconds and early thirds. All right, Jaden Reed or Elijah Moore. Mm. Um, I'd have to look at my rankings. Uh, that's that's a tough one. 
Um, you know, Elijah Moore is someone that, you know, we haven't seen uh, anything from him since his, you know, rookie year. Um, but I think he's in a good situation. And so, um, probably Elijah Moore, but it's super close. All right. We'll do one more. This one's a little bit, I feel like probably a little bit easier. Jaden Reed or Cortland Sutton? I'll take Jaden Reed. I think Cortland Sutton has not been the same since the knee injury. That's and, that's kind of the ADP realm you're looking at. You're looking at Cortland Sutton, Kadarius Tony, Marvin Mims, Elijah Moore, Josh Downs, Wandale Robinson, like all these kind of we'll say number two options for their teams. Uh, what do you want to you know take your pick of the litter to kind of deal? So okay, cool. Yeah, and you know with the rookies, of course, there's the the uh, the unknown is always the excitement. Um, but Jaden Reed was a guy that I was really getting higher on. Uh, it's funny. I was listening to one of our, our episodes from before the draft and we were talking about some of these guys and, uh, I was like two guys that are going to go much higher are Jaden Reed and, and Jonathan, Mingo. Jonathan and I Mingo. Like, yep. man, I nailed it. And then the next sentence I said, the Baltimore Ravens only have six draft picks. They're not going to take a receiver in the first round. <laughs> um, so I was talking about day two options, you know, for the Baltimore uh, Ravens, and they drafted one of the first. Uh, um, yeah, win some, lose some. That's and then right. you have Luke Musgrave. He's really one of the biggest projections in this draft class. He is a super athletic guy. He is a massive tight end at six, I think he believes six foot seven, 255 pounds, and he moves really, really well. And so, as far as a projection, this is it. He has not a lot of production in college. Some of it's due to injuries, but this guy is projected to be the number one. And they have Tucker Craft. This team's expected to do a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of running of the football, and the the tight ends are going to be they're going to be nice blankets for Jordan Love. And so you may not see them deep down the field, but you're going to see them, you know, getting targets closer to the line of scrimmage. They have 49, 43 going to Luke and 33 going to Tucker. And then you have uh, about 600 yards, well, 250 yards combined, or 550 yards combined, four touchdowns. Musgrave and Kraft, I mean, those guys, they are a little bit later. I mean, third round, fourth round picks. Any interest? Uh, in Dynasty, yeah. I think Luke Musgrave coming off as the tight end 18 in Dynasty startups behind uh Chiga Conquo behind Greg Dulcich behind Evan Ingram just before Trey McBride and Juwan Johnson I think that's a really good solid value price to get a guy as athletic as Luke Musgrave and you hope right if you're waiting to take a tight end hopefully he's your tight end too at this point and he's got a very high ceiling, very high ceiling if he hits it. So I really like the value at tight end 18 and dynasty startup drafts for Luke Musgrave. Yeah, same. And he's going an early third round in your rookie drafts. And then if you want to double your, you know, your bets, just go get Tucker Craft in the fourth round or as an undrafted free agent. Both are good players. I would have liked to see one of these guys go to their own situation. Um, but I think they're both going to be, you know, I think, this is a good shot. One of these guys is going to be really good. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Let's go on to the last team, the Minnesota Vikings. And so the Minnesota Vikings, they've, you know, they had a good, they had a good draft. Uh, they got a B minus from the PFF guys, Jordan Addison in the first round, wide receiver, Makai Blackman corner, Jay Ward corner. Uh, you know, you will say Jacqueline, uh, Jake line or Jacqueline, however it is, Roy, Defensive lineman. Um, and then you have Jaron Hall, cornerback, Dwayne McBride, running back. And so Dwayne McBride was a seventh round pick, and we'll be talking about him for sure. And then as far as the offseason, they acquired Marcus Davenport, probably one of the highest uh highest pieces they picked up. He's a edge from the Saints. Dean Lowry, defensive lineman, Byron Murphy, corner, Josh Oliver, tight end, Brandon Powell, wide receiver. Troy Reader, linebacker, and Joe Joe Juan Williams, corner, B-plus for the offseason. The Vikings were one of the best teams in the league last year until they ran into the juggernaut that is Daniel Jones and the New York Giants in the playoffs. Um, Kirk Cousins had a really, really good year. He loses Adam Thielen, but he gets Jordan Addison, 
and he added TJ Hawkinson, which I really think kind of unlocked this, this uh, offense. And Hawkinson was peppered with targets when he got, when he got to Minnesota, they did not waste any time. So Kirk Cousins, nine QB nine. What are your thoughts here? 4,487 yards, 29 touchdowns, 102 on the ground with two TDs. QB nine. Yeah, I think that's about, I mean, he is kind of that consistent nine to 12 quarterback. You know, when you do not play Kirk Cousins uh, in in your starting fantasy lineup, uh, which is, which is nice, but prime time. Yeah, that's right. But any other time that he plays on Sundays, you're you're good to go. You you he's locked and loaded. And I think if things stay the way they are, uh, I think that's going to be the best thing for Kirk Cousins and really for the Minnesota Vikings offense. I do think it's a lot of noise for Dalvin Cook right now. I don't know that he's actually being moved. Uh, but if they do move him, I don't know that I believe that Alexander Madison can do the same thing that Dalvin Cook does as consistently as Dalvin Cook does it. Uh, And I do think that's going to make them a little more of a one-dimensional team and could hurt the overall production for Kirk Cousins. So my hope, knock on wood, is that Dalvin Cook is on this roster for this year because I think it's the best thing for the team. So uh, I think adding Jordan Addison really helps Kirk Cousins with just really another security blanket saying, hey, you know what? JJ, go do your thing, but guess what? I've got a guy that can play underneath now that can maybe draw a little bit of coverage in. Now maybe I can hit KJ Osborne over the top and use that speed that he's got. Uh, and uh, TJ Hawkinson is there as well. I just think they've got a lot of pieces and there's enough volume to go around to have three viable receiving options in Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, and, and we – we disagree on Alexander Madison. Uh, I, I, I think Madison has been very good whenever he's got an opportunity. And um, I know you said that he's just been meh. Um, and I think there's some people who agree with you and some people who agree with me. Uh, and Dalvin Cook, it is smoke. There's nothing out there, but I'll say this. Last month, the, the Minnesota Vikings quietly changed their Twitter banner and it, Changed from Dalvin Cook to Alexander Madison. Dalvin Cook is in South Beach training with all the Miami Dolphins, including the guy that trains more than half the Miami Dolphins. He's publicly said he wants to play with the Bills or the Dolphins. There's a lot of smoke. And when there's this much smoke, there's typically a fallout. Um, I mean, the tweets that I was reading the other day, I was like, man, did Dalvin Cook get released? Like, they're talking about like, Life without Dalvin Cook. The Vikings post Dalvin Cook. I'm like, it didn't happen, did it? And so I thought it happened based on what I was reading. It has not, and Mike Clay's projecting it to not happen. These projections are about a month old. And uh, he has Dalvin Cook for 1,000 yards, 37 receptions for 289, so about 1,300 yards all-purpose with nine touchdowns and RB14. And so Alexander Madison – only 377 yards and 102, four touchdowns, RB59. The problem is all the smoke here, your buy low window on Alexander Madison is out. Now you have to, if you believe in Alexander Madison, and how about we started an auction the day that all these rumors started, and I have Alexander Madison up on the block and everyone's starting to bid it, and the guy's like, Hey man, thanks for sharing all that Alexander Madison stuff. I'm like, yeah, you just bid him for twelve thousand. Thanks, JB. Oh. Um, but yeah, like Alexander Madison um, did get a lot more work last year, and it really did help Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook played the first time in his season, first time in his career that he's played a full season was last year. He did go into the playoffs banged up with a shoulder injury that's been a nagging shoulder injury for a few years now. But Alexander Madison's still young. He's 25 and he's, he definitely has some juice. And if he does get, you know, gets the workload, he's proven that he can get RB one finishes. If he gets 15 plus touches, there's nobody else I'm interested in except for Dwayne McBride, who isn't even on this. Yep. He's a fourth round stash that I've been picking up in all my leagues. 
because Kine Nwangu is just a kick returner. CJ Ham's a fullback. Ty Chandler is interesting in your really super deep leagues, but I've been getting Dwayne McBride in the fourth round like constant. Yep. And for me, he's uh, he's one of those guys. If Dalvin Cook goes, I'm moving him immediately. I'm going to take the jump in value. I'm moving him, um, and we're just going to go from there. Um, so, but I'm going to read some price check results, and this is why you can sell Alexander Madison if you don't believe in him, or even if you just want to sell him because he's an extra piece. You don't want to gamble. Uh, over 2,200 votes. Dalvin Cook, 55 percent. Alexander Madison, 45. Alexander Madison, 54 over Pacheco, 46. Um, Charbonnet was 51. Alexander Madison, 49. Alexander Madison, 63. David Montgomery, 37. Alexander Madison, 54. James Cook, 46. Alexander Madison, 57. Devin A. Chain, 43. Alexander Madison, 70. A.J. Dillon, 30. I think we might have got another uh, Brad meme. Oh, you definitely did. I mean, yeah. it looks like you were going to throw up. Yeah, that this is disgust. This is it, this is ridiculous. Well, let I mean, you did not like Alexander Madison before all this hype. That's true. That is true. Um, so you, it, it's I mean, over David Montgomery. What? Uh, yeah, Alexander yeah. Madison. Over Kamara, 56-44. Kendra Miller, 51-49. to 49. Madison over Brian Robinson, 77-23. to 23. Alexander Madison over your boy, Antonio Gibson, 65-35. Alexander Madison, 70 C, Khalil, 77. Khalil Herbert, 23. Alexander Madison, 72. Roshan, 28. Alexander Madison, 68. James Conner, 32. Madison, 77. Bigsby, 23. Madison, 89. Spears, 11. Alexander Madison versus P. Ryan. What do you think that one is? Madison and P. Ryan? Oh, that's... I mean, I would think that should be close to 50-50, but it's probably... I mean, based on what I've heard, it's got to be 70-30. It is uh, 89 to 11. Yeah. Madison. I don't... I am not... I'm not buying it. This dude, for the last two years, has been sub four yards a carry. He does not look – he's not even remotely close to – this. We I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. Well, so. we'll, we'll have to do another show on yeah. Alexander Madison. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Brad's going to have to buy an Alexander Madison jersey. There it's you go. One, week one. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan Addison was a guy that we were much higher on than the consensus. Some people had him at three or four. We were pretty pretty – He's either one or two all offseason for us. He ends up being one of the top guys off the board, and he's projected to be the most productive of all the receivers this year. Um, yep. A lot of the the money line, not the uh, a lot of Vegas lines have him being the most productive, and he walks into a great situation. He's got a good quarterback, pass heavy offense, and he's next to Justin Jefferson, so he doesn't have to be the one. And all the defenses are going to be focused on Justin Jefferson, T.J. Hawkinson, and then Jordan Addison can do all the other stuff without having to be the guy. 57 receptions, 766 yards, five touchdowns, wide receiver 42. I mean, I, I think he can get higher than that. I think those are pretty good numbers, but I still think he can get over 57 receptions, get into that 70 receptions, over 800 yards, and, and get those five touchdowns, get it to be a wide receiver three. Yeah, that catch rate scares me a whole lot. 57 catches on 91 targets. I do think there's a chance that he's over 100 targets. Just not because I don't think TJ Hawkinson or, or JJ will be over 100, but because just we talked about earlier, the sheer number of passing attempts that I think the the Minnesota Vikings are going to are going to end up with this season is going to allow him to be up over the 100 target mark and my other benchmark here is look I, I I know they're you know it's apples to bananas it's not the same thing but if I can watch George Pickens in his rookie season go over 800 yards a guy like Jordan Addison who can separate much better than George Pickens. He's not as explosive as Pickens, obviously. He doesn't have the crazy catches and all that. 
but a guy with the route running chops of Addison should be able to do the same, the same if not better, in a very pass heavy offense. So, any interest in KJ Osborne? No, I All will right. in best ball. I think best ball there. There's a, a world for him, but not not on my dynasty squads. Let's go to TJ Hawkinson, tight end three. I I just I love TJ Hawkinson, and I love getting him in my dynasty startups. Get him in, you know, you get him in the fifth round. I, I, I think that you're going to get very good production for a long time. He's just hitting his prime, and he's in a great spot here. Um, and, and I don't see any any reason why he shouldn't. 75 receptions, 846 yards, and six TDs. I mean, he was getting double-digit targets every week since joining the Vikings. 110 targets. That's That's a fair projection. I think it's over 75 receptions, over 846 yards, over six touchdowns. And I think he's potentially, he's, he's a dark horse candidate for TE1. Yeah, I, I need to see a little bit more from it. I, it would not shock me based on the volume. 92 targets this guy had with the Minnesota Vikings. But let me, let me read this. 92 game. targets in eight games? Yes. It's eight games. Project that. that- that's 160 targets yeah but hang on a second let me let me read something so 10 targets for 45 yards and no touchdowns 45 yards uh eight targets 34 yards eight targets 33 yards 12 targets 59 yards the volume is there. You chase that out. That was his first I'm, month with the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. And I'm not saying to fade TJ Hawkinson. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying you don't oh, don't have over expectations with TJ Hawkinson right now. While he may get the volume, <laughs> while he may get the volume, he does there's a little bit of scariness with me just with the depth of target that he's getting right now, which is, is very low. Yeah. And you want air yards. Um, when we looked at it, you know, look at tight ends, you want targets and you want air yards. Those are going to be your predictors. You have to have both. You're not going to, if you want to have a good consistent, you know, season the next year, those guys that show up, there's always one or two guys that show up that have 50 receptions and they're a tight end one. It's because, they had a ton of touchdowns. Eric Ebron, Robert Tunyon, um, Dawson Knox. These guys that have a lot of touchdowns, 50 receptions. So, yeah, you're going to want to see that. But, uh, but yeah, I did want to point out that he's finally got an offseason to go through with, with Kirk Cousins and really be instilled in this offense. They wanted to get him going fast, and he got 10 targets. He only caught four of them. Kirk Cousins and him literally had, like, one, one practice, a walkthrough, and then he was out there. But well, they, he went nine for nine in his first game with Kirk Cousins. Oh, nine for nine. There you go. Yeah, caught all nine balls. So, yeah, and so um, that's that's the NFC North. Uh, it's been uh, always a lot of fun. Make sure you check out our AFC series. We've got the East, the North, the West, and the South already out. This is our first NFC episode on Thursday. We'll be taking care of the NFC East. Let's do the East. sure. Let's do East. Yeah, let's let's do the East and take care of my Giants. I like it. I like it. I, you know, one more thing I do just want to get to. We we haven't been talking a whole lot about betting, but look, the NBA Finals are going on right now. Tomorrow we got Game Three between the Nuggets and the Heat. And again, one of our sponsors, Edge Boost, give you that opportunity to kind of increase that bankroll a little bit. If you take the Denver Nuggets at two minus two and a half, you put 20 bucks on there, the payout is not great unless you use Edge Boost, which will double your winnings. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. All right. As always, good luck this season. Cheers.